Welcome to Kids Considered, where two pediatricians discuss children's health topics of interest to parents in a podcast with new subjects considered every episode. I'm Dr. Lena Vanderlist. And I'm Dr. Dean Blumberg. And we're both pediatricians at UC Davis Children's Hospital in Sacramento, California. Let's hear about this episode's topic. Hi, so my baby is about to turn six months, which I know I can start introducing solids. My parents were recommending baby food, but I don't, it's not very appetizing. Do you recommend baby led weaning or how should I start? Thanks. Is, ba- is baby food not that appetizing? Some of it looks good, like pear, pear puree, pear ginger. But I don't know. Some I, of the I, colors are really weird. Yeah, it's like some of the mystery meats, like, you know, the the like pureed meat. That That mm-hmm. is not appetizing. I'll agree with her. So um, I thought this was a great topic because we haven't done a podcast in a while that really highlights our generational differences. So I thought that it was time. Yeah, because like when I was in training, it was just like a bunch of people sitting around a fire roasting meats and stuff, right? Like brontosaurus <laughs> like, and stuff. Like the cavemen. Right. Uh, but here you you heard her refer to something as baby-led weaning, which is a kind of a new craze that has developed in the parenting community about the way that we introduce complementary foods to infants. Um, have you heard of this before? You know, I think the first time I heard of this is when you mentioned it along with wearing your baby during that episode. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it kind of goes along with the same fad of wearing your baby, baby baby-led weaning. So it is a new way to introduce complementary foods once a baby turns about six months, which we'll get into. But I'm curious, when you were in training sitting around that campfire, what did you guys (laughs) counsel families about with starting solids in infants? Do you remember? So honestly, I I don't remember. And so when you when you mentioned this before, I I took out a textbook that I managed to save from late in my training, my general pediatric training. I looked it up, and forty years ago it was four to six months of age was when mm. you were going to introduce solid foods. Okay, so it's about this. It's still similar. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to be honest, like. Baby led weaning was something I knew nothing about as a medical resident at all. And it was only when I finished and my close friends started having babies of their own and my patients started asking me questions that I really explored this more. Um, And, you know, when you think of the term weaning here in the U.S., we typically think of like weaning off the breast, like weaning off breastfeeding. And so at first I thought... Are we just like trying to figure out ways to get babies to stop breastfeeding? But in other countries, um, they actually use this term for introducing complementary foods in infancy. So that's what that means in this scenario. Right. So weaning is just a way of saying that we're not going from one to the other. We're gradually doing that. So in right. the baby-led weaning approach to introducing solids into the diet, The infants forego the typical rice cereals and purees that parents spoon-feed, and they go straight to infants feeding themselves regular table food. And so they don't do the little airplane games that here comes the airplane with the— Open the mouth! Yeah, yam puree. (laughs) 
<laughs> That's kind of fun, though. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, the thought behind this method is that if infants are able to try diverse foods on their own and they're allowed to limit their intake when they're full or they're not interested in a food, that maybe they'll develop a healthier relationship with food. Theoretically, they'll be less picky eaters down the line. They'll learn their hunger cues, so maybe they'll be less obesity. And so we'll go into this more on if the data actually supports this. All right. So as a pediatrician, I admit that the first thing that came to my mind with this approach is the fear of choking, which we all we all have that fear of kids choking. So isn't that the reason to introduce purees first so that children, if they do choke, it's not serious and they don't like totally block off their airway? Yeah, and that is my fear as well and many parents' fears that don't use this method. Um, So we will definitely review the data on safety of baby-led weaning compared to traditional food introduction. We're going to discuss more about baby-led weaning when compared to traditional purees and rice cereals, so the advantages and disadvantages, and then how we as pediatricians can counsel families about this approach. So what about the history of baby-led weaning? When did it really start in terms of gaining popularity? Yeah, well, of course, before purees were ever a thing, um, that this was probably how food was introduced to young children. But really, the first book for parents was written in 2008 by Jill Rapley. She's a mom at turned PhD who did her research mostly in feeding methods, um, and that was inspired by experimenting with her own children. But really, since this time, we've seen an explosion of interest in this method. So from forums online, parenting groups, books and cookbooks, social media. There's Instagram accounts that have, you know, 900,000 or more followers. Um, And, you know, I think it's important to know as we're looking at all of these that a lot of these infant feeding influencers are not clinicians. They're not speech therapists. They're not professionals. And so some of the food items that you may see them introduce for their baby might not be appropriate for your infant. And so we really have to learn to digest this carefully and and see really if this is going to be safe for our own kids. Digest this carefully. That was a good one. <laughs> yeah. So I guess before we get into how the baby led weaning method is different, we should review what the recommendations are for a typical spoon feeding introduction approach. So the American Academy of Pediatrics still recommends starting off with a parent-initiated spoon-feeding approach of infant cereals and purees, but does recommend, along with the World Health Organization, exclusive breastfeeding for the first six months of life. So um, that is good to know that that's their recommendation. In my practice and in, in many others, if a child has really good head control and tone and shows signs of readiness at the four-month visit, Sometimes pediatricians will say it's okay to start that introduction of fortified infant cereals via spoon feeding before between four and six months old and then move to purees. And then, of course, as they develop increasing motor skills of sitting well in a high chair, bringing their hands to their mouth, um, then the texture and the food they're eating advances with them. And then there was something recently in the news about concerns over rice cereal and something being toxic in it. Yeah, that's absolutely right. So there had been growing concern over the possible exposure to arsenic, particularly in white rice-based infant cereals. And this was kind of all over the news over the last, you know, six months ago or so. Um, It's important to know that this is a very low level and most infants aren't going to be eating this rice cereal for long enough to have it pose a significant risk. But it has led many pediatricians, including myself, to start recommending 
oat, barley, or multigrain iron-fortified infant cereals over the the white rice-based cereals as the first food introduction. Okay, so we start with some infant cereal, and then let's say parents opt to not go the baby-led weaning approach. What would be next after that? Then you typically go to what we consider stage one thin purees. This is typically fruits or veggies that are pureed to be like a soup consistency with no chunks at all. And so which should go first, vegetables or fruits? Is there any information about is one better than the other? It's a good question. There was this kind of myth previously that I think I may have shared with a few patients before looking into it that like if you prime the palate first with like fruits, they're going to like sweets more and then they're more likely to like reject their vegetables later on. But this has actually been studied and has not been shown to be true. So one study looked at two groups and saw like did they introduce fruits first or did they introduce vegetables first? And it did not matter. So they would end up eating both of them no matter what you introduce first. So do not worry about that. Well, that kind of makes sense to me. I mean, I'm not talking about nutritionally or any kind of scale or something, but it just seems to be that like sometimes carrots can taste sweet or peas sometimes can taste sweet and they're vegetables. So yeah, true. I don't know if, I don't know if they have the same sugar content, so better, <laughs> better shut up now. <laughs> so how about the idea that um, parents should introduce the same food repeatedly for three to five days before they switch to a new food? This was traditionally suggested by pediatricians in order to monitor for possible food allergies or adverse reactions to food, like they get a little rash or they have a change in their stool. But actually, data does not support really needing to wait this many days before trying a new food. So once a baby starts eating solids well, you can try as much as a new food every day. Um, Usually I'll say try it a little bit earlier in the day so that if your baby does have a reaction, you have time to call the pediatrician while our office is still open. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, when we did our uh, food allergy episode recently, we talked about introducing allergenic foods early between four to six months, right? Yeah, that's absolutely correct. So there is data to show that early and frequent introduction of traditionally allergenic foods. So, of course, we all think of peanut products. Of course, not Mm -hmm. peanuts themselves, because those are definitely a choke hazard. But peanut powder, peanut butter, that bomba, um, and other allergenic foods like egg and milk products can help reduce the risk of food allergies later in life. But definitely check with your pediatrician before introducing them if your child has a history of severe eczema or any other allergies. Now, are babies actually missing out on anything if they delay introducing foods until after six months or when the infant can reliably feed themselves, such as in baby-led weaning? Not necessarily. Many people, or we all kind of say that food is fun until age one. And what this means is that infants are really getting their primary nutrition and their calories from either breast milk or formula or a combination of both until they turn a year of age. And they're just kind of getting introduced to solids as um, getting their palate used to consuming more regular foods. Um, And we do know that in exclusively breastfed infants, they are going to get supplemented with vitamin D as well. And then than iron if they are delaying the introduction of iron-fortified foods until later. Of course, once they hit a year of age, if your plan is to transition to full solids and they haven't been exposed to three meals a day routine, it's going to be a more difficult transition at that time. 
Absolutely. So it's a gradual process, you know, starting with little tastes around six months and working your way up to more of those like traditional meals and snacks as they get closer to one year. Um, One other thing to consider with delaying introduction of cereals is that they are fortified with iron, like I mentioned before. And so if your infant's going to continue to get all of their nutrition from breastfeeding until six months or even longer, sometimes your pediatrician will talk about starting iron supplementation during this time so that they don't get anemia. So I'm curious, let's talk more about the baby-led weaning approach. Mm -hmm. So like we discussed, it's really developed around the concept of self-feeding and exploration. So we want babies to be able to sit unsupported with good head control, grasp objects, and bring objects to their mouth. And we know that this doesn't really happen for most kids until closer to six months. And some kids, it doesn't happen until even closer to eight months. So they should not be doing this approach until they have all of these developmental skills. Usually the first foods in the baby-led weaning approach are soft enough for the infant to mash with their gums or fibrous enough so that they can't break off pieces in their mouth that would have like a choking hazard. So um, many times you'll see them in in longer strips so that the baby's holding on to one end and kind of chewing on the other end. Um, And things like you know, soft vegetables in long strips, um, pieces of meat that that are really soft in long strips are okay. So what do the studies show? I mean, maybe we can start by looking at our biggest fear, which we talked about, and does this method really increase the risk of choking? Yeah, and the good news here is that there doesn't seem to be an increased choking risk. So a randomized controlled trial using a modified baby-led weaning approach versus the traditional feeding approach found no difference in choking events or in infants that were being offered high-risk choking foods. So think like hot dogs, grapes, you know, apple slices. Um, So that was great. But it is important to note that these studies are older and the movement has really grown since that time. So there are some new foods that are being recommended and introduced that were not a part of these original studies. So I think more... More studies need to be done looking into this, really. That's good news, um, but we do need some more recent studies. Mm -hmm. What about the claim that it leads to less picky eaters? Yeah, the studies I saw were really mixed on this, so not necessarily. Um, Of course, we do have a lot of tips on picky eating and how to help with this in our two-part podcast series on picky eating, but it does not seem like just baby-led weaning is going to help with your picky eater. (laughs) Okay. We also talked about maybe decreasing the risk of obesity down the road. Yeah, and again, the studies looking at this did not have a correlation between looking at future weight gain for infants fed with the baby-led weaning approach versus the traditional pureed approach. Okay, well, one benefit that seems like it would be an obvious result of this approach is to establish the healthy habit of family mealtimes together. Absolutely. And setting this family mealtime as a priority early in life and enjoying the time and eating meals together, enjoying food, you know, you think in this method, you're just like cooking what what you eat, essentially, and you're having the baby eat what you eat in an age-appropriate way. And so we know that family mealtime does have studies that show that it's protective against obesity later in life. So that is one added benefit. But you could still potentially have family meals with the puree approach as well. 
So how about the theoretical disadvantages to baby led weaning? We talked a little bit about not getting the iron-fortified foods, and that could put infants at increased risk for anemia. So this is something that you should discuss with your pediatrician about iron supplementation if you're planning on doing this approach. Right. We discussed the theoretical risk of choking, although this did not prove to be a true risk in this original study. Um, But it is important to remind parents or other caretakers about which foods are traditionally dangerous for choking when you're starting food introduction. Mm -hmm. And most people um, think of hot dogs, grapes, hard candies, and any circular food that poses a risk of getting stuck in a child's airway. So other foods to avoid are hard or raw fruits and vegetables, raisins, popcorn, nuts, and seeds, chunks of meat. Um, you know, these are all potentially dangerous. So we um, have posted a full list of dangerous foods at this age on our website. It's also important to remember that honey should be avoided for the first year of life because of the risk of botulism. And that milk um, should not be offered until age one, although other dairy products like cheese and yogurt are okay. Um, And the most important thing you can do as a parent when we're starting to introduce solids and prevent choking is to have your child eat while they're sitting at a table or in a high chair and not while running around or playing or moving and really avoiding other distractions and keeping your eyes on your child while they're eating. Was there any impact on growth or weight gain in infants who started solids with the baby-led weaning approach compared to the traditional methods? So no studies have shown that there's slowing of growth for healthy age infants as long as it's reiterated that the primary method of nutrition in this age group should be formula or breast milk until they turn one. But there are some groups, so our more medically complex kids um, who already have issues with growth. Um, we think of kids that have may have failure to thrive or you're already working really closely with your pediatrician or your dietitian to gain weight. This might not be the best method for you because we really need to make sure that your kid is getting in a set number of calories. Um, and so we can do that more reliably by by tracking the, the calories in formula, purees. And so it's really important to, to talk to your pediatrician if your child has one of these other conditions. So an additional concern from a feeding therapy and advancement perspective would be the development of oral aversions. So many speech therapists are concerned with this feeding method and the lack of introduction of purees altogether. Purees are an important food texture for infants to become familiar with. And to eliminate that category completely may come with its own inherent risks. Yeah, I am completely of the camp that you do not have to pick one of these methods. That, you know, there are some people that are, I am 100% baby-led weaning. I am only going to enter, my kid's only going to eat what I eat, and that's that. Or there are other people that are like, no, I'm terrified of choking. I'm only going to spoon feed my kid purees until they're like three years old. And there is a healthy mix between both of these, right? That you can introduce some cereals and purees. And then as your kid gets developmentally more advanced, you can have them eat what you eat too. So there's definitely a balance here. Very well said. I definitely learned a lot today, and hopefully our discussion cleared up some confusion for parents about starting solids and the differences between traditional spoon-feeding and baby-led weaning. So let's summarize the main points from this episode. 
Traditionally, complementary foods are introduced via parental spoon feeding between four and six months of age. Um, and the most common foods to start with are the infant cereals and the fruit and veggie purees, stage one purees. Baby led weaning is a complementary feeding approach that allows infants to self feed a variety of table foods and requires more developmental coordination, including sitting well unsupported and grasping and bringing the foods to their mouth. This is usually not accomplished until at least six months of age. For both methods, you should check with your pediatrician about developmental readiness and remember that food is fun until age one. The good news is that both approaches, the traditional spoon-feeding method and baby-led weaning, when counseled appropriately about choking risks and safe food introduction, both of these seem to show similar outcomes for picky eating, weight, and choking risk, although we would like some newer studies. And so either method is likely appropriate for you and your family as long as you have a healthy, developmentally appropriate age infant and you're given the okay from your physician, then you can choose what method works best for you and your family. We would like to thank Stacy Collins, registered dietitian at UC Davis Children's Hospital, for reviewing today's episode, although Dr. Lena and I take full responsibility for any errors or misinformation. And, of course... That reminds me of a joke. <laughs> Let's hear it. What's a breastfeeding baby's least favorite holiday? Hmm, what? Halloween. Oh, haha, because they don't want to wean. <laughs> Got, Got it. In there. <laughs> That's pretty good. That wraps up this episode of Kids Considered. You can find more information on our website, kidsconsidered.ucdavis.edu. Follow us on Twitter at Kids Considered. And Instagram at Kids Considered. If you have feedback on this show or topics you would like us to discuss in the future, we would love to hear from you. Please call us. Our number is 916-915-3388. Or email us at kidsconsidered at gmail.com. Please rate us on iTunes or wherever you subscribe to your podcasts. Thank you for listening, and we hope you will join us for our next podcast. Kids Considered is sponsored by UC Davis Children's Hospital. 